This is Jason Holleran. I proudly served for 33 years, culminating as the Deputy Commandant at West Point. Put this on your calendar. World War II weekend inside Old Bethpage Village Restoration on Long Island. Scores of operational vintage armor in formation May 18th and 19th. Nassau County Executive Bruce Blakeman invites you to join him in saluting America's greatest generation and all those who have worn the uniform in defense of our freedoms. That's May 18th and 19th, presented by the Museum of American Armor. Judge Jeanine Pirro. She's the outspoken host. Judge Jeanine Pirro is dominating the headlines right now. Tunnel to Towers Foundation presents the Judge Jeanine Pirro Show. Now, here's Judge Jeanine Pirro. Welcome, everyone, to the Judge Janine Tunnel to Towers Foundation show. I hope everyone is enjoying their day so far. It's a sunny morning here in New York City, but I must tell you, it's a little cool today, uh, but it is a wonderful day here, and I'll tell you why. It is Father's Day, and to all those fathers out there who worked hard to take care of their kids uh, and who provided a background where there was some indication of moral structure, right and wrong, good and evil, law and order, uh, God bless you, enjoy your day, you deserve it. Hopefully, uh, people are celebrating with you. And as always, uh, I think of my dad on Father's Day. He's been He's been gone a long time. But, uh, you know, this is the one day I get to think about him. He served in the armed forces and uh, in World War II. He was on the first ship to Nagasaki, and he saw the plume. Uh, And he suffered as a result of that. But uh, to all the fathers out there, uh, God bless you for what you do. Thank you for what you do. And so uh, we're going to go forward today with a great show. I have some great guests for you today. I got to tell you, we've got Bill O'Reilly coming up. We've got Alan Dershowitz coming up. We've got a great show. And we're armed and ready to serve justice with all my great listeners here on the Red Apple Audio Network. But, you know, there's a lot that happened this week. And every week there is uh, there's more and more to talk about. Uh, we've got the economies in a mess. 82% of Americans uh, think that the economy is fair or poor. Uh, two California cops are killed in a motel ambush, and I'm going to talk about that in my opening statement. Uh, Biden is never ending his blame game. Uh, now he's blaming the shippers after he blamed big oil, big meat, the pandemic, Trump, Putin. And by the way, have you ever thought about it? You know, Biden keeps blaming Putin. I don't see anybody running around and saying that damn Putin, if it weren't for Putin, the price of food wouldn't be going up. Or I wouldn't be paying this much for gas. Nobody buys these excuses. And I'll tell you, folks, that folks, the, the test of a true leader is whether or not the man or the woman has the ability to deal with problems and try to solve them. This guy, Joe Biden, doesn't try to solve them. He just complains about them. And uh, and then uh, we've got all of the uh, all of the problems going on with Jane's Revenge that we're going to talk about with Alan Dershowitz. Jane's Revenge is a group of uh, anarchists who have declared open season, not just on pro-lifers, not just on the church, but on pregnancy centers where women go who may not have the ability to get a car seat or to get formula or to have a support system. They are bombing them, throwing Molotov cocktails from Seattle, Washington, 
uh, to the East Coast, D.C., Maryland, Florida. It's happening all over the country, Colorado. Uh, and they are unapologetic. Uh, and they're saying that the next protest won't be as easily cleaned up as fire and graffiti. Uh, and in addition to that, Joe Biden fell off his bike this week. I mean, <laughs> what a metaphor. Joe Biden fell off his bicycle. It's like, you know, the whole economy fell off the edge of a cliff. It's such a perfect metaphor for what's going on in this country. It is, it is, a, it is a sad commentary. And this week, by the way, the House finally sent that bill that was uh, signed by the Senate in May uh, to the president's desk after they approved it. And they decided that they would, yes, indeed, uh, sign a bill to get more security for Supreme Court judges and their justices, I should say, and their families after the attempted assassination of the United States Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh. But I got to tell you, folks, you know what the crazy part of it is? The guy who came after Brett Kavanaugh, who was arrested and since indicted for attempted murder, he had a Glock, he had uh, mags, he had several, uh, uh, many rounds of a bag of ammo in addition to the magazines he had. He had a pistol light, he had zip ties, he had a knife. I mean, this guy was ready to go. And get this, 27 Democrats in the House decided that they weren't going to vote for more security for Supreme Court justices. How do you like that one? And of the 27 Democrats who decided that, no, they weren't going to give any additional support to the Supreme Court justices and their families, 22 of them, 22 House Democrats, progressives like AOC, Ayanna Presley, that whole gang, they voted for increased security for themselves. So security for me, but not for thee. This after the attempted assassination of a Supreme Court justice, and they vote no to security for the justices, uh, additional security for them and for their family. I'm telling you, folks, these leftists, these progressives, they are not interested in law and order. They are interested only in making sure that they get what they need and to heck with the rest of you. And that's a real problem in our society that we're going to be talking about uh, throughout the show today. But uh, what we've got is Bill O'Reilly's going to be coming up. And uh, I'm very excited on the Judge Janine Tunnel to Towers Foundation show. As you well know, Bill is an author. He's a historian, a journalist. He's the most successful guy in uh, cable television in history. He's coming right up, and you're going to enjoy this right here on the Red Apple Audio Network. This is the Judge Janine Show. Listen to this podcast now on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Download all of Red Apple Media's podcasts right now through your favorite podcast platform. This is the Judge Janine Show. Now, here's Judge Janine Puro. 
Joining us now is the famous Bill O'Reilly, who is a friend of mine, someone I have known for many, many years, who is a success in terms of everything he's ever done in his life. He's probably the most successful person in cable news ever in history. But even more interesting to me is that this man who has been able to capture the attention of the American viewing audience uh, has been able to capture their minds also with his books. He has a myriad of books. I don't know how many. It's kill- It's always about killing somebody. And his latest book is Killing the Killers. It is number one. No surprise. Killing the Killers, of course, is a uh, detailed uh, description of taking down some of the uh, most outrageous terrorists in the recent years. And I am proud to bring Bill O'Reilly on to the Judge Janine Tunnel to Towers Foundation show. Good morning, Bill. How are you? Thank you for having me, Judge. I'm good, and I uh, know you are. Watch you all the time on the uh, top-rated Fox show, The Five. <laughs> yeah, thank and you. And you on WABC every Sunday. So thanks for having me in. Well, we're thrilled to have you. The, the, Bill, the, the book, Killing the Killers, is fascinating. I mean, I, I it is... It just grips you. And I think the American people are hungry today for the truth more than ever. We have been bombarded with fake news, with false narratives, and people don't know who to believe anymore. And yet your books have been incredibly successful. I mean, they just are off the charts. Your books are, I mean, they're a success within hours of their even, you know, being being uh, printed and, and published. So why do do you think that is, Bill, before we get into this particular book, Killing the Killers? Well, we've had 17 number one bestsellers, which is a record on the planet, nonfiction. Nobody's ever had that many. And it's mm-hmm. because I write in a style that puts the reader right there. So whether it's Abraham Lincoln or uh, Patton or um, any of the other 11 killing books, The reader is there witnessing what we are writing about. Now, in Killing the Killers, this is ongoing history. First book that is contemporized. Mm -hmm. That means happening every day. And it's the best reporting I've ever done in my career. And the reason is I had to convince national security advisors going all the way back to the Bush administration to tell me what exactly happened in tracking and killing the terror leaders. And most of what is in Killing the Killers is classified information. So they trusted me to get it out to the American people. All of the national security advisors wanted the people to know what is being done in their name to protect them and to avenge this terrible evil, the scourge, that has brought pain to so many Americans. You know, Bill, you were you were a history teacher or an English teacher? History. I taught a little bit of English, too. My primary uh, discipline, academic discipline, is history. And that's how I hone uh, my writing exactly. style. Exactly. Because I, I yep. taught in a ghetto of Miami, a really tough neighborhood. I, these kids had no interest in history. So I had to, I had to get them involved in a personal way and, and tell them stories that pique their interest, almost like a movie. And I did it. And then those techniques that worked, I think, fairly successfully in the classroom, I brought into 
writing the books. Well, there's no question. I mean, you're brilliant in writing the books, and I know James DeGard does some of the, I, I don't know what he does, but you always have him on Martin the books. DeGard, yeah, Martin DeGard. Martin DeGard. Research, best yeah. Research, yeah, best researcher in the world. Well, your writing is impeccable, and it is, it, it, it really is, Bill. I mean, you know, your books are so successful because you are a genius at putting people in the middle of, how about killing Lincoln? I mean, you know, how can anyone get information as specific as that, you know, from, you know, 100 years ago, 150 years ago? But I want to talk about what makes you decide what killing you're going to look at next. I mean, you, it, was, it was killing Kennedy and killing Lincoln and killing Jesus and killing the, the, the killers. Are you working on another book? you got something cooking in your mind. I know you do. Yeah, I mean, we have two more to deliver, but uh, this book, Killing the Killers, is supposed to be out last year, but COVID prevented mm-hmm. it from being. So I have another book coming out on September 26th, which is going to shock this year? the whole country. This, this year? year? Yep. Oh, um, boy. And it's going to shock the whole country. Is it a killing so book? Different. Bill, it's is it a like- killing book? It is. I'm going to Ooh. announce it after July 4th. I don't want to intrude on killing the killers. I don't want to confuse of course. people. Right. Um, so we'll announce it in, in uh, probably mid-July. But it's totally different than this. But, you know, what I've been able to do is what I do on television and radio. Um, is I report based upon what I believe the audience has to know and wants to know. And it's all audience-centric. I'm not one of these snooty guys who says, oh, you're going to tell you stuff and you better pay attention. I don't do that. (laughs) All right? I know people are busy, and Mm -hmm. and if they're going to take the time and spend the money to read one of my books, I'm going to entertain them as well as inform them. And that's the difference between me and every other history writer. I want you to be engaged and, and not be able to put this book down. Believe me, you can't put it down. It is amazing. But now you've piqued my interest. I want to know what's coming next. But it makes sense because if if killing the killers, Bill O'Reilly, was delayed because of the pandemic, you were already cooking with something else, which is no surprise. I mean, all right. One more after the fall book, and that will uh, complete my contract. Uh, but I'll always be annoying people with some project. You know me, Janine. Yeah, I, mean, I do old. know you. You're nonstop. But let me ask you, like, what? what when do you relax? Uh, I'm actually staring at the Atlantic Ocean right now. Yeah, now, you're, uh, in, you're in Montauk Island, you know? staring at the ocean. I don't I tell anybody where I am because then people will come. And, no, yeah. no, everybody knows that I'm a big Long Island guy. Yeah. Um, in the summer, there is no better place in the world. I agree. Uh, I'm a big ocean guy, former lifeguard for the town of Babylon. Um, you know, so I'm that's what I do. I, I do the ocean thing. Yeah, and it is beautiful. It's totally beautiful. Bill, I'm going to ask you one more question before I let you go. Americans are hurting right now. They're hurting because of the economy, inflation, you know, gas, food prices. My daughter, Bill, had a baby. And, you know, I'm scouring the stores for baby formula. Yeah, Yeah, it almost feels like we're a third world country fertilizer. We're going to have a problem again with food. What do you think it's going to take to get America positive again? Well, we're going to suffer for uh, another year um, because of the incompetence of the Biden administration. And I think that Americans who voted for Joe Biden 
and I know most of them will not do this, but you really ought to think about it. And and my friends, and I got a lot of them who voted for Biden, and they didn't really vote me. They voted against Trump because they didn't like Trump's style. Mm-hmm. But I say to them now, I say, do you regret it? I mean, look, you're suffering. Everybody's suffering. There isn't anybody in this country not suffering because Joe Biden is president. Uh, Trump ran the economy efficiently. 1.4% inflation. Now we're up about 11%. Right. So if you don't know that, you don't want to know it. And if you don't want to know it, that's fine. You have freedom to be a moron. But um, we're going to all suffer for at least another year economically because you can't just snap it back. But, Bill, you say another year. I mean, he's going to be president until, you know, for, until 24. What's going to happen? Yeah, but he's been totally neutralized in, in November. Okay. So November, historic election. Uh, the House and the Senate will go Republican. Uh, mm-hmm. Biden will sit there. He'll have no power. Any executive order he issues will be immediately challenged in federal court. Republicans will advance legislation. Maybe he vetoes. But, you know, does, does he really want to go down in history as the worst president? Right now, he's second worst. Mm-hmm. I guess he could make a comeback, but I don't think so. I don't think he has the capacity to run the country intellectually. I don't mm-hmm. think he understands the economy. And I think he's manipulated by far-left people. And he, he just can't stand up or won't stand up to that. So I'm not expecting any improvement on the Biden front. But once the Republicans, and I'm not a party guy, as you know, I mean, yes. I think he'll a lot of Republicans are pinheads. Right? But once they take over, I, yeah. they'll be able to block all the destructive stuff that Biden is doing. It'll, he'll never get anything passed, which is a good thing. And then the economy will have, to, will have to build itself back up. Do you believe Bill O'Reilly, and I, I said that was the last question, I mean, do you think that, uh, that we can go back to being energy independent in terms of fossil fuels? Sure. Okay. You know, if Trump is, say Trump gets reelected, which is possible, you know, he'll, he'll put it into uh, harvesting mode. It's, it's all about harvesting energy. And with mm-hmm. the technology we have now, this is the irony of it all. We can do it in a clean way. But these crazy climate people fanatics have destroyed the economy. It's as simple as that. No, no. So we can reconstitute um, the energy industry in America. We can get back to where we were, but it's going to take some time. The amazing part of it, Bill, that, that that stuns me is that people are like green energy. We got to have it. We got to have it. And now Biden's investing in solar panels. You know, in these electric vehicles. I mean, first of all, the the batteries, the batteries in these vehicles. We don't have an infrastructure sufficient to charge them if you really want to travel anywhere. But the other thing is the batteries. First of all, they come from China. The lithium from Afghanistan. And then the issue is when that car is junk. Where does that battery go? It goes back into the environment. That battery is as big as the bottom of the car. It's crazy town with these people. Well, look, everybody knows that the technology for clean energy is not quite there yet. And and that's what the, the craziness of attacking the traditional fuel industry when you don't have anything to replace it yet. It's yeah. on its way. In 50 years, we're not going to be gas and oil people anymore. So Biden, in his fog, <laughs> uh, all of this destructive stuff, and now every American is paying a price. Every single person is getting hurt economically mm-hmm. by Biden. If he ran again, which he won't, right. I don't even know if he's going to make his turn. 
his, his next two and a half years, they may force him to resign. Yeah, then we get okay. Kamala. <laughs> well, you get you get Kamala, but you really don't, because all she would do would be a, just a place sitter. She'd just mm-hmm. be sitting there in the Oval Office. She has no credibility, and she doesn't know anything. But he's so damaging now to the Democratic Party. Where do you see what happens? Oh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they have to get to him. And they know it. They're already saying it on CNN. Axel Rye's already saying it. Right. You know, oh, you know, Joe, he's pretty old. Hey, he was old 50 years ago. <laughs> he's always been old. Uh, Bill O'Reilly, it's always great to talk with you. We're so happy to have had you on the show. Everybody, Killing the Killers, it's a great book for Father's Day. If you missed it, you you can still go on Amazon and tell your dad it's coming in the mail. So, Bill O'Reilly, thanks so much for joining us. Killing the Killers, one of the best books you'll ever read, I guarantee it. Thanks, Bill O'Reilly. Take care. Okay, Judge, thanks for having me in. Download all of Red Apple Media's podcasts right now through your favorite podcast platform. This is the Judge Janine Show. Now, here's Judge Janine Bureau. All right, never forget, that's the commitment we made on 9-11. Honor it by donating $11 a month to the Tunnel to Towers Foundation at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. All right, welcome back. Uh, we have with us a fantastic guest in our lineup of great guests this morning. Uh, joining us is a lawyer, a professor at Harvard University, a best-selling author. Uh, he is a man whose reputation precedes him. When he speaks of the law, you can pretty sure or pretty much take it to the bank. Uh, I am talking about Alan Dershowitz, the esteemed attorney, and I'd like uh, you to join me in welcoming Alan Dershowitz to the Judge Jeanine Tunnel to Towers Foundation show. Good morning, Alan. How are you today? Good morning. Thanks for saying that you should listen to me as a law professor. You know who you shouldn't listen to as a law professor? Professor Lawrence Tribe. You know what he said the other day? What did he say? (laughs) He said that President Trump tried to murder Vice President Pence, he said he was guilty of attempting to murder Vice President uh, Pence. This is the same Lawrence tribe who enthusiastically seemed to support the presidential candidacy of Michael Avenatti. So just oh. because somebody's a Harvard professor, don't well, 
take them seriously. You have to look at their judgment, their past experiences, what they've said, their predictions. So I agree with you. You can listen to me and take what I said to the bank. Don't apply <laughs> well, that to Lawrence Strive. Then you can take it from a, a, a judge, a, a, a superior court judge, that an attempt yeah. to murder pretty much, uh, you have to have not only the intent, but an act in furtherance of that attempt. Yes. But who am I to tell a, a Harvard professor well, no, but he says He says on CNN, you don't have to go to law school to know that. Well, actually, you really? do have to go to law school to know that. <laughs> <laughs> because the law of attempts is pretty complicated, pretty difficult. I argued the leading case in the law of attempts in New York. I argued it in Tennessee. I've written articles. I've written uh, extensively. I've taught about it for years, and Tribe just doesn't know what he's talking about. Well, yeah, so, and that's why we don't invite him on this show and why we invited you. But I must <laughs> well, tell you, you can, Professor Dershowitz. You can have Dersh- him on the show and then <laughs> criticize him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Professor Dershowitz, uh, listen, Alan, the most important thing right now is what's going on in the United States. Supreme Court. I want to quickly take my listeners through what has happened with that leaked document of the opinion of Dobbs versus Mississippi that basically, and let me just run through this and tell me if you disagree, that basically said, you know, an an abortion is not a right that is protected uh, under the Constitution. Uh, It is not intrinsic to our history and traditions. Uh, And uh, the Supreme Court in 1973 went too far in this leaked opinion. So if they follow through and the opinion comes out, they will overturn Roe versus Wade as well as Casey in, I believe, 92. So now what we've got is we've got the left who's engaging in a campaign of fear and intimidation. What should happen, Professor Dershowitz? Well, first of all, we should all condemn uh, the majority leader of the Senate, my former student and guy I've known for years, Chuck Schumer, for getting up on the steps of the Supreme Court and saying you have reaped the whirlwind. You won't know what hit you. Uh, uh, You know, virtually, uh, it's not an incitement, an advocacy of some kind of violent reaction. Whatever you think of Roe versus Wade, whatever you think of this case, the majority leader of the United States Senate should not be making a speech like that in front of the United States Supreme Court. And I don't know whether the person who went and tried to kill Justice Kavanaugh heard the speech or heard of the speech. All I know is when you're a leading political figure, you don't issue dog whistles that could be misinterpreted by people who have their own agenda or their own mental illness. So that's the first thing. The second thing is this case, the Dobbs case, the Supreme Court needn't actually reach the broad issue of overruling Roe versus Wade because the only issue that's presented to them is whether Mississippi's 15-week Week, right. uh, ban after is constitutional. They could say, and Chief Justice Roberts wants them to say, it's constitutional. You can restrict abortion, but we don't have to reach the broad issue of overruling in this case. We can wait for another case to do that. That would be the wise, the smart, and I think the constitutionally required approach. But if the Supreme Court does overrule Roe versus Wade, there should not be violent responses. There should be you know, law review articles. There should be attempts to get legislation. There should be attempts to persuade states like Oklahoma and Mississippi to broaden their abortion laws. There should be reasonable responses, not the kind of responses that I think uh, Chuck Schumer has suggested.
Well, you know, Professor, you make Professor Dershowitz, you make it very clear when Schumer uh, issued that uh, that broad. It, it, it was a threat, as far as I'm concerned, that you will reap the whirlwind, you will pay the consequences. Yeah. It was Professor Dershowitz within the context of a discussion of abortion, and it was directed at Kavanaugh and Gorsuch. So right. you know, it is even further uh, refined in terms of who he was going, who he was uh, discussing and talking about. But we've got this Title 18, Section 1507, which allows the Attorney General Merrick Garland to arrest those who are protesting in an effort to influence a Supreme Court decision. There has been no arrest under that section by this administration or the AG. Talk about that. Well, it's of questionable constitutionality. The Supreme Court under Justice Frankfurter a long time ago said there's a big difference between intimidating jurors on the one hand and intimidating particularly appointed judges on the other hand who don't run for re-election. Right. Uh, Frankfurt said judges are expected to have a thick skin. And so I think there is a question as to whether or not a protest 100 yards away from a justice's house in the middle of the day, not at night, designed to try to influence him unsuccessfully, of course, could be constitutionally uh, prosecutor. I think it's a it's a close question. I'm not giving you a definitive answer on that, but it's a close question. But look, there's no close question as to efforts, for example, to intimidate juries, jurors the way uh, uh, Waters did during right. the case in, in, in Minnesota. Derek there, Chauvin, it was a right. Direct effort to try to intimidate the jurors. And there were direct efforts to try to intimidate prosecutors to prosecute Potter, the woman who was totally innocent and is now in jail for making a terrible mistake and pulling out a gun instead of a, a taser and shooting somebody. Those are cases that there was a direct attempt to influence vulnerable jurors by essentially saying to them, you're not going to be able to go home and be safe in your communities if you vote for less than a murder charge. Well, so you know, I think prof- that's where we ought to begin. Professor Dershowitz, I mean, you make it so clear on what an intimidation of a juror is and, and how it's actionable. Uh, I've never heard the argument made against 50, uh, with reference to the intimidation in an effort to uh, influence their decision. But let's go to the next level. And that is Ruth sent us in Jane's Revenge, the two, uh, they're anarchist organizations. I mean, Jane's yep. Revenge issued a 30-day warning and they said we gave you 30 days and now it's not going to be as easy to clean up what we do like fire and graffiti they've been throwing molotov cocktails at pregnancy centers where women go to get things like car seats and a support system i mean so talk about that professor what what say you why have there not been arrests first of all nobody should be supporting organizations that advocate violence. But again, the law is very difficult. Uh, The Supreme Court says you can advocate violence. You just can't incite it. And incitement usually requires directly talking to people who are about to do something, you know, kill that man. Uh, It it doesn't usually permit prosecution under the Brandenburg principle of somebody who says, it would be a good idea at some time in the future. But they something. have been engaging in violence and graffiti no, and Molotov. Yeah. And then you can get them on conspiracy and you can get them on RICO and other kinds of charges. But look, I disapprove personally both of what President Trump said on January 6th and 
what Schumer said uh, in front of the Supreme Court. But both of those speeches were entirely constitutionally protected. That is, Mm -hmm. there's a big difference between disapproving of what somebody says and not defending their right to say it. Look, I defended the rights of Nazis to march through Skokie, of communists. And you're you're Jewish. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know what, Professor? I tried I try to say that to people all the time. The Supreme Court protects hate speech as much as you despise it. That's why we're America. We can say this. That's why we don't have one school of thought that 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 outlaws any other school. But they're using it selectively. For example, the Supreme Court has said that it is not constitutional to prosecute somebody for burning the American flag. But recently I think it was in Baltimore or somewhere, a judge said it would be constitutional to prosecute somebody for burning a, uh, a, a, a flag in support of gay rights, mm-hmm. because that is hate speech. Whereas if you hate, if you hate America, you're constitutionally protected. But if you hate any part of America, any group of protected people, that's constitutionally unprotected. Well, what about burning an Israeli flag or burning a Vatican flag mm-hmm. or burning a Knights of Columbus flag? Uh, you know, where are we going to stop? I, I think we have to permit that kind of hateful speech at the same time do everything we can to prevent it from getting to the next step of violence. That's what Justice Brandeis wrote. A hundred years ago, and his words, I think, still ring true. Well, you know, a professor is someone who has engaged so much in the in the effort to make sure that people can say uh, what they want to say, short of inciting violence. Uh, You you have to be looking at what's going on in our country right now, irrespective of what side you're on, and say, you know, things are getting to the point where it started with political correctness. You can't say it this way. And to me, that's chipping away at the freedom of speech. Look, I agree with you, and I think we have to be prepared for a very, very difficult summer. I think if the Supreme Court does overrule Roe versus Wade, there may very well be violence in the streets. And then it becomes crucially important for the Justice Department to apply the same exact rules to the left that it has been to the right, for to, to radicals that it has been to conservatives. That is the key to the rule of law. Same approach. You can't have differential justice depending on whether you like the people or don't like the people or like what they say or don't like what they have to say. That's not what the First Amendment permits. Well, and the problem is that I think that we've seen it. I mean, we we haven't seen any arrests from uh, Jane's Revenge. I mean, where they're painting things like, uh, you know, I burn the Eucharist and and, yeah. and then end up going to these places and, and graffitiing them, burning them, arson, uh, Molotov. Yeah. We haven't seen any arrests on that. And yet January 6th, we're hearing about, and, and let me be clear, I'm you know me, I'm a prosecutor. You violate the law, that's it. End of the story. I don't want to hear it. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, you put them in, 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 in isolation, in solitary confinement for six months on a trespass. And, you know, we haven't seen any arrest on any of this violence. It's across the country from the East Coast to the West Coast. It's frightening. Look, I agree with you. I agree with you completely. Look at the two lawyers who threw Molotov cocktails into police cars it's, in Brooklyn. Yeah. 
Yep. Uh, they're being treated much more generously than than kids who walked into the Capitol. Look, I'm representing a law school student who graduated, actually just graduated law school, but he was withheld his degree was without because he walked into the Capitol being welcomed in by police, didn't do any damage, didn't do anything wrong. And they're trying to destroy his career and they're trying to mm-hmm. take away his ability to practice law and i'm going to defend him vigorously even though i disagree with what he did and well, i disagree with his politics but i'm going to defend his right alan dershowitz a uh, someone who certainly stands behind uh, his principles the beliefs and even more important the constitution of the united states uh, alan dershowitz and i have been on opposite sides of arguments but i must tell you i have tremendous respect for the man alan dershowitz uh, thanks so much thank for being you. with us on the judge and tunnel to towers uh, i mean it you know it All right. And never forget, that's the commitment we made on 9-11. Honor it by donating $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers Foundation at T2T.org. That's T2T.org. It's the Judge Janine Show. Listen to this podcast now on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Download all of Red Apple Media's podcasts right now through your favorite podcast platform. This is the Judge Janine Show. Now, here's Judge Janine Puro. All right. Uh, I'll tell you what. I think we've got a couple of callers today. Uh, the number, and I haven't said it previously, is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-9222. Have any comments on uh, Professor Dershowitz or Bill O'Reilly with his great book, Killing the Killers? Uh, give us a call. I think we've got a call. Let's let's hear it. Welcome to WABC. Hey, good morning, Judge. I got two points to make, and I'll yeah. try to make it quick. First one about inflation, Joe Biden's blaming Putin on the inflation <laughs> and the gas prices, and he's wrong about that. But if he were right about that, he's responsible for why Putin invaded Ukraine. Afghanistan, the way this administration dealt with it, had consequences, and that led to Putin invading Ukraine. So he's still responsible for the gas prices because because of him, Putin invaded Ukraine. The second point is about guns. If the Democrats want to stop the shootings in this country— why don't they first enforce the law and go after the black market and illegal gun trading mm-hmm. that are going on in this country? Because if they don't do that and they just ban guns, they're going to be defending the criminals from the law-abiding citizens because the law-abiding citizens are going to be the only ones without that are the going guns. To abide by the law. Yep. And you know, in Pierce Morgan is a great guy on Fox. He was. I, I heard a debate he had about the situation in, in Britain. Uh, he said there's only 45 shootings a year there because they ban guns, and I disagree with it. I think the reason why they only have 45 shootings there a year is because they enforce their laws and they go after they went after the black market over there in illegal gun trading. The people there should be allowed to have guns and then they'd yep. be able to defend themselves. All right. With the murderers with the with the knives. With All the right. Well, OK, you make a great point. And the bottom line is this. They keep going after lawful gun owners and more background checks and all that. How about you check the backgrounds of the people crossing the border? And by the way, all this stuff about Putin's to blame. We only got eight percent of our oil from Putin to begin with. And then we cut back on it. How the hell is he to blame for everything? And I got another thing for you. We get 51 percent of our oil from Canada, eight percent from Mexico. And if we were oil independent, we would we would have it in the North America. We wouldn't need this. But you see, that's the problem with this administration. They're trying to make us dependent on the 
foreign oil and uh, on uh, on electric uh, uh, on uh, green energy. We're not ready for it. People can't afford to buy green car, green uh, uh, energy vehicles, electric vehicles. They just can't afford it. We're in the middle of a, a of a inflation. It's higher than it's been in forty years. Uh, some people might say that we're in the recession or right about to enter into it, and they want us to buy a sixty thousand dollar car. Talk to a senior citizen. Talk to that person about whether or not they can afford to go out and buy a new car. Talk to those people, the veterans, who don't have the money to be able to do this kind of thing. And yet what they want is they don't care because they're, you know, you've got a Secretary of Energy, Jennifer Granholm, who apparently didn't, uh, you know, didn't disclose all of her stock purchases and has a stock option of $1.8 million on some electric vehicle or, or an electric company. I mean, this is ridiculous. And that's why people in November have to remember to go out and vote. If you don't like what you're seeing, uh, you got to get out there and vote. This is too painful. The middle class is suffering too much in America right now. It's the middle class that's getting squeezed that can't get baby formula. It's the middle class that's getting hurt by this out of control leftist progressives in across the country prosecute crime right here in new york city we got a mayor who talks the talk but doesn't know how to walk the walk you know we've got a governor who can talk the talk but could care less about bail reform and then you know we've got people out on bail who are killing people and they just they just talk and they don't have anything to say that will assist us financially or in terms of security and it's just wrong all right let's go to the next caller let's see Morning. Hey, what's up, Judge? How are you? Good. Talk to me. Hey, what's going on? Yeah, I just want to say Dershowitz, twice he was wrong, and uh, I don't throw the word liar around, but I think he embellishes their lies. First, what what Trump said was vastly, vastly different. What Schumer, Trump literally said, go peacefully, peacefully, and Schumer was was, uh, very threatening. Go, you'll pay the price. And another yeah. time he said he was at a function. No, I think what he colleagues. said was he, what he said was he believed that they're both protected speech. But go ahead. Yeah, but he said they were both wrong. He said, Trump. well, well, he, that's a moral issue. But go ahead. Second thing. Trump. Well, the immigration, he said, Trump's wrong. He's against immigration. We're all immigrants or so. He's not against immigration. My wife is an immigrant. She wouldn't have voted for Trump. If he was against it, he's against illegal immigration, exactly. which most people are. So. Exactly. You know, and there's no question. Are- there's no question. Legal immigration, Trump is for it. I'm for it. Every month I swear in newly elected citizens, I must tell you, it's one of the happiest experiences of my 32 years in law enforcement. I mean, you know, you deal with crime, you deal with pain, you deal with all of that. And then all of a sudden you have these people from other countries who love America. They want to learn our history. They, they, they're they willing to uh, sign allegiance to this country. They're proud of America. They bring their families. I mean, there's nothing better than legal immigration. It's the illegal immigration that is disgusting right now. And I'm sorry. I'm tired of it. How long, how long are we going to go with this kind of immigration? How much is enough? How much can we afford with inflation the way it is? I mean, I'm still looking for baby formula for a friend of mine who can't get baby formula. But man, let me tell you, they're stocked at the border. I mean, this is just not right. It's just not right. 
And I think that people, what we've got to try to do is we've got to try to set everything straight in November because we don't have a choice. We're being stepped on. We're not being protected and we're not be and we're being pressured financially. We can't survive in this world. It can't continue to go like this in this country. And I started the show by saying, you know, Joe Biden fell off his bicycle. What a metaphor for what's going on in this country. We're just falling off the edge in terms of security, financially, economically. Inflation is the highest it's been. We've got people who are killing cops who are being let out time and time again for gun crimes, folks. Gun crimes. And then they go after the legal gun owners and they say we want more information on you we want to know why do you need a gun what's none of your damn business why i need a gun i want i want a gun because it's my second amendment right and i didn't get that right from the legislature and i didn't get that right from washington it's a god-given right it's a natural right it's a right that i have as an american citizen to have a gun and don't try to tell me i don't have that right and that's the end of it. I'm sick of these people and telling us that we can't even, they're looking to put us in a position where we can't even protect ourselves. And the only people running around are the criminals with the guns. That's enough. Anyway, now it's time to gavel out and say goodbye till next Saturday, until next Sunday. I'll see you next Sunday. Be sure to watch me on the five on Fox and go to cameo.com slash Judge Janine. Have a great day, everyone. Listen to this podcast now on the Red Apple Podcast Network. 